Blog Talk Radio. Here it is. This is all about wine. About wine. The talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, summer master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Rod. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the, and world. around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinecpr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinecpr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, all right, all right. You know, every time I hear all, all of our bus people cheering like that and all that, mm-hmm. it reminds me of the Muppet Show. Remember when when Kermit would introduce someone and all the Muppets would raise oh, yeah. their hands and, and all that and cheer? <laughs> That's what I think of every time I hear our bus people cheering. You know. <laughs> Okay. We got a phone call. Uh, um, we got a guest tonight, uh, people, and uh, she's well. She's got a lot to talk about. I'm sure she does. Great website, and uh, she got herself quite a history. And she is waiting in the green room right now, ready to come out and join us. So we'll get her onto the show. Welcome, Jen, to All About Wine. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. We've been trying to connect ever since the Hurricane Ian, and I'm glad we finally got you on the show. <laughs> it's been it's been a pretty busy few months, so yeah. I appreciate uh, all the flexibility, and it's great to be on with you. Yeah, well, you know, it's just we – uh, had Hurricane Ian go through, and we were down for like you know four weeks because of it, and and it just it was a nightmare. But all that ends well, ends well. So uh, you're finally on the show, and thanks for bearing with us also, and and taking time to join us tonight or this afternoon oh, where you are. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Good, good. Um, Boy, I got a lot of stuff to talk to you about, and you got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, to start with, you are co-founder of what is Unfem? Uh, yeah, we call it Unfem, or mm. yeah, we pronounce it Unfem, or some French people call it Unfem, um, but it means mm. one woman in French. Okay, Unfem. Oh, that's that's even classier. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Before we go into Unfam and what it is, tell me a little bit of history about yourself up to Absolutely. the founding of Unfam. Sure. So um, I have really worked in restaurants, food, and wine for my whole career, the past 20-plus years since graduated from college. And um, my first job in the restaurant industry was when I was um, – Right out of college, I moved to New York. I was working at a hedge fund, actually, 
but I had heard that it was possible to stage at a restaurant to work for free and <laughs> um, to work in the kitchen. These days it's not allowed, but um, back in, in, you know, the early 2000s, it certainly was part of the tradition at fine dining restaurants. And right. I was really lucky. I met a sous chef at Restaurant Danielle, which at the time was a Michelin three-star New York Times four-star restaurant on the Upper East Side in Manhattan. Wow. And I asked to come work at the restaurant. And so I ended up um, essentially volunteering on the weekends. I worked every Saturday for about a year and a half and um, worked almost every position on the line. I worked from canapes to the rotisserie station to the deep fryer all the way down to making um, like really beautiful wedding cakes with pastry chef Dominique Ansel, who later went on to invent the cronut. Uh, and was so incredibly lucky because I got to see what it was like to work at a fine dining restaurant in the French tradition for, um, for a period of time when especially that style of super fine dining was, was so coveted and it was an amazing foundation. And I eventually went to work for Danielle himself as his research assistant. And in that role, I worked with him on all kinds of special projects, everything from developing a line of spices to cookbook development to launching new restaurants, all of those kinds of things. And then wow. he and, yeah, it was amazing. Such an incredible opportunity to get to work with him. He's an incredible, incredible person. So generous, so kind. And um, he and Thomas Keller from the French Laundry took over the U.S. arm of a culinary competition called the Bocuse d'Or, which is hosted every two years in Lyon and was started by Paul Bocuse, the very famous uh, French chef. And I became the competition director for that. And wow. um, it was amazing. I got to um, travel out to California to work at the French Laundry, um, helping them to set up a culinary training center, and then helped to host a culinary competition in Florida, and then um, to the, the competition in France. And that's where I really started falling in love with wine, and especially with yeah. champagne, well, because... You can't help but do that, yes. You can't help but fall in love with wine. And yeah. when you're with um, such incredible company, you end up drinking a lot of the good stuff. So <laughs> I, I got a very early... Uh, level of access to incredible wines, and um, that's where where it all began. What year was that? That, yeah. uh, you, that you, was 2004, 2009. So oh, wow. that was quite a while ago. And then from there, um, I ended up going to the Guilt Group, the shopping site, and we launched a gourmet food and wine section of the site called Guilt Taste. And we did a lot of work really kind of at the intersection of content and commerce. So we launched not only an awesome e-commerce website where you could purchase champagne and caviar and oysters and beautiful chocolates sent direct to your door, but we also worked with amazing people in editorial to create beautiful interviews and recipes and profiles of so many of our great um, purveyors who are making really beautiful things like incredible cheesemongers and butchers and whatnot. And mm -hmm. that was the first time that I got to work in a space where we were selling products to consumers online. And um, oh, well, I'm we actually, sorry. what year again was this? 
this was 2009, probably 2012, 2011. So, so online sales like that is in its infancy. Oh, absolutely. Right at the very start of it all. We we launched right around the same time as like Food 52 and, um, you know, things like, um, you know, all of these. There was There was not yet all of these delivery platforms. There weren't right. grocery delivery platforms of really fine foods like Good Eggs. This was really at the very early stages. And this was yeah. also yeah. during a time when traditional print publications were still very, very, very influential and were the end-all, be-all, and they were starting to put some digital editorial content online, but just a little bit here, a little bit there. And so we did a lot of editorial content that got recognized. We actually ended up getting nominated for a James Beard Award and for an IACP Award against publications like Bon Appetit and Gourmet, because wow. we were doing stuff online, and they were just starting to put things there. So mm. very special time. Very, very formative. And that's where I first came in contact with and started drinking and enjoying all of the beautiful champagnes from um, all of the big traditional houses like Vosquicot and Dom Perignon and Krug and Brionart, because we would do – flash sales of their wines. So we would feature those wines and um, of course we had to taste them and understand them before we could market them. And so at a pretty young age, (laughs) I got access to a lot of those cool wines and that's where I really, really fell in love with. I I have a question here. Sorry to interrupt again. Uh, You mentioned many French. Was it exclusively French uh, champagnes and wines that you were dealing with or did you bring in California? We also brought in some California wines and some Italian wines, but uh-huh. of the champagne, we were doing true champagne from Champagne, France. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I'm, so I'm a little just bit curious. Of, oh, yeah. Yeah, a little, bit of, a little bit of everything, a little France, a little Italy, a little California. We even did some German wines, et cetera. And yeah, so that was the first time that I was selling wine online. Um, And then over the next five or 10 years, I worked in a lot of digital companies that were related to food and beverage um, in a couple different ways. So I worked at Open Table, um, where I was heading up restaurant marketing. So we worked with a lot of the top tier restaurant owners and did all kinds of events and partnerships with them. And then I went to the social media network Tumblr and Mm. my role there, my title was food and drinks evangelist. (laughs) (laughs) It was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was very cool. So my, my job there was to reach out to all of the best food and wine publications and chefs and cookbook authors and restaurateurs to get them to use Tumblr. And also to find people who are already on Tumblr using food either as the subject or the medium of really cool art to elevate the best content. So people who were using art in sculpture or um, art for really, or uh, excuse me, food in sculpture or food for really cool events and all of those kinds of things. So that was amazing because that was at the, they were an early social media 
platform and very innovative and very arts focused. And then I met my now husband and I moved out to San Francisco because he was living in San Francisco at the time. And I took a role at Open Table, the reservations network on the marketing team and led the business side of marketing for a while. Um, and then I eventually left to start my own champagne bars, which is really how I launched my own champagne brand. Um, and so I launched a, um, a little corner restaurant in the heart of San Francisco called The Riddler. And everything we did there was all about champagne and sparkling wine. So we had hundreds of champagnes available by the bottle and dozens by the glass. And we had such a blast. And um, we ended up opening a location in New York in the West Village as well um, in 2019, right before all of COVID. Um, but we had a short run there in New York, and um, it was amazing getting to run champagne bars in two of the best cities in the U.S., in San Francisco well, and New York. I'm curious, where, where was it in uh, San Francisco? What, is, what was the address? We were at 528 Laguna, so on the corner oh. of Laguna and Linden in Hayes Valley. Okay, yeah, I, I lived I lived over the hill in Concord for many years, and uh, San Francisco is is my favorite city in the whole world, and so I was just oh. curious. I, I, yeah, I it's a great great city. We it our is. little corner space was just 500 square feet. It was tiny. Um, and it was a corner cafe that had been a cafe for, I don't even know how many years, 60, 70, 80 years, a lot of, a, a lot of time, a lot of good history and, um, really beautiful bones. It felt kind of like a place that you would find somewhere in Europe. And, um, we had a lot of fun. We served all kinds of great champagnes, everything from small organic grower producers to these household name brands like Veuve Clicquot and Dom Perignon. Wow, that's that's <laughs> that sounds exciting. I you just you telling me your story just sort of wore me out here. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> take a deep breath. <laughs> You've been busy. <laughs> I've been busy. That's why it's taken a while to get on the show. That's you know? probably it. Yeah, 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 you're still still busy. Uh, okay, so uh, now we are caught up to the Riddler. And how long did the Riddler still open until you closed it because of COVID? Yes, that's right. So we were open for about five years in San Francisco and only a few months in New York because we opened right before COVID. And we made the really hard business decision to close the businesses. um, And I miss them still every day. But here we are a couple of years later. So. You closed those, and you decided it was time to make a champagne by women for women. Tell me the that's right the story that led that's up to right. that. Well, so at the Riddler, all of our investors were women. So we had 33 oh. investors in San Francisco and 40 in New York, all who oh, were wow. you know, yeah, so cool. Such a great, great group of women, and that really became a part of our story and our community and um, very often guests would come into the restaurant and you know our champagne list was a couple hundred champagnes so hard to weed through if you don't know exactly what you're looking for and we would always feature wines made by women winemakers 
as a section on the menu. And those wines would always sell incredibly well. And guests would ask us, where can I find wines made by women winemakers? If I go to a retail store or if I go to a restaurant, how can I know that a wine is made by a woman? And so I was like, we should launch a brand for this. I don't know why one doesn't exist yet. And so the first wine that we launched was called the Juliet. Um, and that was our beautiful organic grower producer champagne from a fifth generation winemaker in France. And we had that on our wine list at the restaurant and people loved it. The producer is such an incredible winemaker and their wines are so, so, so gorgeous. And so that did really, really, really well. So that was the first wine that we launched. And then we kept noticing that our top selling wines were always sparkling rosés available by the glass. And I couldn't find a sparkling rosé by the glass from California that was at the right price and that was dry and that was sustainable and and all of the, the features that we wanted. And so I reached out to a good friend of mine, her name is Samantha Sheehan, and she makes several different wines in California. She's most well-known for her line called Ultraviolet. She also mm-hmm. makes a, a line of champagne method sparkling called Poe, and then she also makes a really amazing um, vermouth called Mom and Pop. And I reached out to her, and I was like, hey, can we make a sparkling rosé together? And so we teamed up on that in collaboration and that's the wine that was our first California wine, and that wine has really taken off. And we've made a handful of wines with her, um, but that that wine now is one of our, I would say, like one of our flagship wines, one of our most popular wines in the portfolio. Wow. Uh, the um, uh, Well, three or four questions. The women that you found to make your wines, uh, did you search it, or were you familiar with them in all of your other jobs, and uh, how did so, you find them? Yeah, both both the Gonemedvi family in Champagne and Sam Sheehan from Poe and Ultraviolet were they were winemakers whose wines we served at the restaurant, and people we knew because they would come into the Riddler and they were fans of what we were doing, and so we just became pretty friendly with them and. We loved their style of winemaking, and we just developed friendships with them, and then we decided to do collaborative projects with them as well. Uh-huh. And you, well, the uh, French Laundry, you still have any contact with them? You still do anything with them? <laughs> you need, do you need a reservation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I'm in California, I would definitely need one. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a lot of we have a lot of friends who currently work there or used to work there. My husband actually worked um, at the French Laundry for many years. He was Thomas okay. Keller's culinary assistant. So oh. we're both yeah, we're both both hardcore old school fine dining restaurant people. So we know a lot of people up in up in Yachtville who are still working mm-hmm. at French Laundry. Yeah, but I, I'm not uh, very good at getting a reservation, I'm sorry. To uh, say. Nobody is for the French Laundry. <laughs> oh my gosh. You you just you know, if you want a reservation, you have a child that's born, you make up for them and when they graduate, that's I mean right. yeah. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Uh, many, many that's years right. ago when I lived in California, uh, I had a chance 
to let's see what year was this I'm thinking here in 73 70, 74 in 1974 I ate there I had a very good friend of mine who was familiar with it and he had gotten reservations and for some reason I was able to go with him and oh my gosh I mean it was a, a culinary memory that I will never forget but uh, whenever I've you know anyone else talks to me about it well you've been there can you get me reservations no huh? nobody can get you reservations there you have to you know get on the list that is it's harder than Super Bowl tickets so but, <laughs> that's true yeah. that's true <laughs> It really is. It's amazing, but it's an amazing place to eat and amazing food and all that. So that's why. Yeah. You know. But um, that's right. Some things are uh, worth the wait. Uh, yeah, that that place is, and it, it really is. It's it's just phenomenal. French Laundry, for those listeners out there, is a restaurant that is. It's in Napa Valley, not really. It's in Yonkville, like Jen just said, and but it is really phenomenal and it's sort of like you walk up to a fancy restaurant and you expect something that's going to attract your eye but the French Laundry is not it's just uh, sort of unassuming from the outside and and but it's just phenomenal food so uh, not that I'm promoting it or anything because nobody can get in so uh, (laughs) (laughs) If you plan on going to California and you want to go to the French Laundry, then, you know, plan on going to California in about eight years because it'll take that long to get on the list. So, uh, That's right. Yeah, oh, it's unbelievable. You, uh, your website, I'm, uh, uh, I was reading through that uh, a couple times over the past week or so while I was uh, looking about things to talk to you about. And, one of the things I noticed was you have a blog there that's very interesting. Who is who writes your blog? Is that you? Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, I actually don't write it. We have a couple of members of our team who write it, who are on the marketing team and who are just really passionate about it. We have um, a handful of folks who love writing cool content about things that are, I would say, champagne or sparkling wine adjacent. So mm. when and where to to drink these wines, cool entertaining tips, cool recipes, um, even things like fun playlists to listen to while you're cooking or um, cool gift guides for the holidays of other women-made brands that we really love and that we want to support. Um, so it's been a really fun thing. The team launched it um, in the middle of the year last year, and it's been a really successful, really popular project. Well, I can see why. There's one that I really enjoyed was the history of women in wine since ancient times. That was a fascinating read. Um, oh, yeah. I, uh, Absolutely. I highly recommend that yeah. to anyone who has uh, a little bit of time to read through it. It really is a fascinating read. Uh, you're, okay, the, the uh, Unfem is a champagne made by women for women, but you also do a lot of, well, even to your website and everything says you donate a lot to charities, women charities. Uh, tell me about that. What, what, why, and wh- who do you choose for the charities, and how does that work? 
Absolutely. So, yeah, this is something that's really core to our DNA at UNFEM. Everything that we do really focuses on supporting women in some way. So, of course, our wines are made by women winemakers, and each of them is paired with a charity that gives back to improving the lives of women in some way. So our, mm-hmm. our main charity partner is the Breast Cancer Research Fund. Um, we donate tens of thousands of dollars a month to the BCRF, which is obviously an incredibly important charity and um, research organization that really affects the lives of women. It's something that's really, really important to us. Um, we also work with an organization called Dress for Success, which is a really amazing um, global charitable organization that works with women who have been out of the workforce and need to get back into the workforce and need support in terms of not only like professional apparel, but getting their resume ready and professional training, professional services, mentorship and coaching. And um, so they're an organization that's really important to us because we care very much about empowering women and getting financial resources into the hands of women and women, you know, really being able to support themselves. So they've been great partners. That Dress for Success is, I'm aware of that. That is a great organization. I've, uh, uh, in fact, uh, when I had the winery uh, here, I would every month have a tip jar and not accept tips for myself or the staff, all agreed that all the tips would go in the tip jar and we would choose a different charity every month. And it was amazing that some of the charities would get so much more than others. And it seemed like we did Dress for Success one month, and that was one of the biggest collections we ever did, along with a couple of veteran uh, charities. But uh, it's a great organization. I, I checked into it. Before we did any charity, I would check into it and see what it was all about. And that Dress for Success is uh, something that is uh, – I. Fantastic, I guess is the word I'm looking for. It's just a great charity. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a great, really, really, really um, helpful charity. And I think for so many of us, we're looking for opportunities when we're shopping for things. You know, we're all going to buy wine. We're all going to buy food and consumer uh, consumer products all across the board. And um, we, you know, you might as well give back to organizations that are doing good for the world while you're while you're buying the products that you would buy anyway. So we always say like drink well while doing good. That's something <laughs> that we want to encourage people to do. It's a good line. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you Unfem is a it's an online winery or do you have a brick and mortar? What I'm we um we you can certainly purchase our wines through our website, which is just www.unfemwines.com. Um, and so most of our wines are available online. We also have our wines available really truly across the country at amazing independent restaurants and retailers. Um, we are at a lot of great hotels. We're at great venues, and two of our biggest partners. Um, our biggest is Delta Airlines, believe it or not. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So if you ever fly Delta, we're the sparkling wine 
on board all the planes. Um, we started as a, a local partner, and then we did a one-month stint across the country, and then our relationship continues to grow. And so now we're the global partner. And oh, um, wow. yeah, it's it's been an incredible experience working with Delta. They're such an amazing airline and um, people drink a lot of sparkling wine on planes. I'll tell you that. <laughs> a lot of people drink mimosas. A lot of people drink, you know, and in the lounges or in the lounges as well. You can buy our wines in the lounges. Um, so that's one of the, one of the first ways a lot of times that people find out about us. And we have a little QR code on the back of our, our cans. We do a canned wine for Delta um, because it's, very sustainable. Um, they're fully right, recyclable yeah. cans. And we never wanted to do a canned wine, but Delta asked if we would do one. And we said, of course, we'll do one for you. So yeah, we did one for Delta. And, they're, and it's a great wine. They're delicious. Um, so Delta is a big partner of ours. We also have a great partnership with, uh, with the Ritz-Carlton, actually. So if you go to any Ritz-Carlton in the U.S., you can have our wines by the glass. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I so that, we've been busy, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it. Uh, the uh, yeah. uh, oh, what do we got here? Oh, my uh, my engineer, who is my wife, I refer to her as my engineer, uh, just brought me in a wine to taste this evening, uh, De Vinci, twenty nineteen Chianti. Ooh, uh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Uh, How is it? Uh, I don't know. She just brought it in. Uh, let me see. Oh, lovely aroma. Uh, oh, yeah. Some uh, blackberry, blueberry aromas to it. And got nice, nice color. Oh, that's very nice. Let me do a, always do two sips. Always, always. Oh, always. Never judge on your first, always your second. Uh, well, that's nice. It's got some nice uh, nice berry flavors to it. A uh, little, little hint of little hint of strawberry almost in the in the taste. Uh, it's uh, uh, light. It's not a county, not a classical, but it's Duvinci, let me see if I can find anything. Uh, well, before I even read it here, it says it will have intense aroma and uh, ripe fruit and hints of fresh strawberry and plum. So I picked up the strawberry right away in that. That was there. Yeah. Uh, very nice wine. It's, uh, who's the who's the uh, producer? I'm trying to see. Let's see. Vinton bottled by Keen Leonardo. Oh my gosh, I'm not Italian, so it's hard to pronounce these correctly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. I destroy the names. Uh, bottled by. But you know, all Can that matters is if you like it. It doesn't matter yeah, do. if you know how to pronounce it correctly. Yeah, <laughs> Canteen Leonardo Di Vinci Social Ag Co-op. Imported by Da Vinci USA out of Hillsburg, California. Uh, oh, nice! So, uh, product of Italy. Well, it doesn't doesn't really say too much on this about the producer, but uh, it's very good. I'm 
I'm glad she brought it in to me. She usually does that, sneak in with the wine during the programs. And so, <laughs> Love you know, it. Yeah. You're I making me thirsty. Yes, this is this is good. I, uh, I will be sipping this throughout the rest of the show. Uh, so you uh, are in, you mentioned restaurants and you mentioned uh, hotels and stuff like that and, and the airline. But how about... Uh, Local stores throughout the uh, the country. I mean, can people go down to their local wine store and pick up a bottle of him? Or uh, it depends on where you're located, but yes, we are available at a lot of great restaurant or a lot of great retail shops and wine shops all across the country. Um, we're actually going to be launching in Target in March oh, really? of this year. So we'll be oh. all across the country at Target, which is great. And I love Target. And Target really has a good so yeah, We're very yeah. excited about that. And we're going to be launching for anybody in California or Texas. We'll be at um, Sprouts in, uh, starting in March as well. Sprouts is a great, great um, big retailer here on the West Coast. Um, it's high-end gourmet grocery. And then yeah, let's see for anybody too. in. Oh yeah, they did come into Florida. Yeah, oh. we have them in Florida now. In fact, there's a sprouts about uh, well maybe two miles from where I live. It's oh well. Up. Once March rolls around, they're going to be doing a big feature on women-made wines for oh, the month of Women's History Month, which is March, and we'll be there on shelves um, for that month, which is going to be great. Oh, fantastic. Well, definitely. Yeah. It's easier to go and pick it up there than it is to try to have shipping because shipping's always scary. Um, oh, it's so, <laughs> it's such an expensive and unreliable process to ship wine yeah. across the country. I wish it were better and easier, but it's it's the trickiest part of this business, I'll tell you that. Oh, I can imagine. I, I used to ship wines too. In fact, I I, uh, a quick story here about shipping wines. I make, I made a strawberry port, which was one of one of the biggest sellers I had. And a girl from Miami wanted me to ship a case to her for Christmas because she was going to give it out as Christmas gifts. And so I packaged it up and shipped it. And M- Miami from here, just north of Tampa, should take maybe three days and at the most. And she called me a week later and said, she never got the wine. Did I ship it? And I had. And so I contacted UPS who I was using at the time. And they said, well, we got a signature of it being delivered. And I said, what address? And (laughs) it was an address in Indiana. (laughs) So whoever got it was probably pleasantly surprised by uh, the case of report they got. You know, so shipped another one. But, you know, I used to hate shipping because of things like that. It just, you know. Oh, yeah. You know. So so many uh, surprising twists and turns that can happen. Yeah, yeah, and it's a pain too. Uh, the uh, uh, the women basis of all this. I I'm going to get into this. There is more and more women getting into wine. In fact, uh, a lot of the publications that are coming out now are 
featuring women that are making wine, uh, wine spectator, wine enthusiast, uh, and a lot of the smaller ones that are out there. And it, it, they're celebrating it like it's something that is brand new. It sounds to me like you've been in it longer than most uh, in this well, venture. Well, you know, there there have been women making wine for generations and generations, um, but it still is a pretty small percentage of the both the winemakers and certainly the winery owners. Um, it's still... I believe far less than 10% of California wineries are owned by a woman. Um, wow. And there are still, there like definitely the population of winemakers who are women is growing, which is amazing, but we need to yeah. do a lot more to draw attention to them and to celebrate them and seek them out. Um, it still is a pretty male-dominated field, which is, you know, it's, I think we're all we're all in this together, men and women all together, and yeah. I think it's just more about like celebrating and amplifying the voices of people who are interesting and diverse. There's not a tremendous amount of people of color who are prominent winemakers, um, but there are definitely it's starting to change. Yeah, too. it's definitely uh, an area yeah. that we need a lot of a lot of improvement in. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's one of those uh, old boy schools, old boy businesses that uh, uh, it's been around for a long time and it's it's hard to break that uh, hold that they have on it. But there's a lot of great wine. And you know, the, and, and it seems too, and, and I have to give you congratulations for promoting it, but it seems that there are women winemakers out there that are not uh, celebrated, that are not uh, and, well, it's people don't know about it. They, there's it's a lot true. of them, and it needs to be publicized more. I think uh, absolutely through the, through the winery and and wine and publications and everything else because uh, there are a lot of very good wines that women are making. I've talked to some women that. Uh, have wine reason and it's it's great to see it and hear it and all that um, I had something else I was going to ask you my mind lost it while I was talking there um, it must have been the Chianti you know <laughs> yeah it must have been yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a good Chianti I'm glad I'm glad we no, you know it's, uh, sometimes they're distracting so yeah good. this is <laughs> Da Vinci 2019 Chianti. Yeah, this is, mm. this is very good. Yeah. Um, so what's what's the future? What are you looking at doing? Just, you know, status quo right now? Are you looking at uh, becoming a, a name uh, that rolls off the tip of the tongue whenever anybody says anything about champagnes? What are well, you planning? Well, we love that. So thank you for having me on. It definitely helps to have awareness and exposure for what we're doing. And so really, really appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience. Um, but certainly for us next, you know, we are, we just love sparkling wines so much. I really feel that, you know, you can open a bottle of sparkling wine on any day and it turns it into a real celebration, a real special occasion. 
And also, the thing that's so cool about sparkling wines and champagne is that people pretty much only drink them when they're in a good mood. So it's nice that we've got people who associate a lot of really celebratory, happy moments with the wines that we make. Um, And so we um, are always looking for more female winemakers around the world who are making classic styles of sparkling wines. So champagne, and we have great California sparkling wines, but we've been starting to look at potentially some Prosecco producers and some Cava producers. They're also cool people, um, even up and down the northeast of the United States, people in the Finger Lakes um, who are doing really cool wines. So um, I, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So for us, when we meet amazing people who are making really cool wines, um, that's, you know, who we want to collaborate with and who we want to amplify. And so I expect that we'll launch a few more sparkling wines in the years ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to stay strictly with sparkling or are you going to be doing any still wines? I think we're going to stick just with sparkling. There's so much to explore, so many different styles, and it's what we love. Uh-huh. Well, that's good. Now, tell me about your wines. Each each one sure. of them. How many do you have available? So the ones that we have available through the website are um, – we have, as I said, an organic grower producer champagne. That wine's actually sold out at the moment, so I don't need to tell you too much about it. Um, well, but the two wines that are, are – it won't always be sold out. That's true. But I'll tell you about the two wines that are what I would say are like our flagship wines, our most popular wines, and the wines that are most readily available that people would be most likely to be able to find. Um, so we have – we name each of our wines after a woman. So we've got the Betty for the Betty White. Um, oh. That is our sparkling white wine. Uh, that's the one that they serve so, on Delta. That's the one we serve on Delta. Um, we focus on champagne varietals, so predominantly Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And um, that particular wine um, is made with all Mendocino fruit. So Northern California, relatively cold climate. Um, but still a lot of beautiful, expressive fruit characteristics because it's so sunny and warm in California. And um, that is a dry, sparkling wine and is really delicious. It's very, I would say, like a luxurious mouthfeel, and it's got some sort of yeasty characteristics like you would find in champagne, a little bit less than in a traditional champagne because it's not aging for as long and it's not on the leaves as long, but... um, Really like a luxurious style sparkler. And you say dry now. How dry is is dry? I mean, I, and I'm not trying to categorize, but it seems to me like most women will tend to lean toward a little bit sweeter in their champagnes. Well, people basically. So, yeah. So we we actually don't add any dosage, any essentially added sugar. To right. our white wine um so it is it is truly dry but because it's from california that fruit is getting so much sunshine so the fruit really ripens and so you'll still get the the taste and the feeling of something that has some level of uh certainly a fruit forward palate i wouldn't say that it tastes sweet but i would say that it tastes very balanced and i've never had anybody try the wine and say uh 
I've really never had anybody say I don't like this. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, so I'll just use that. Um, and but our sparkling rosé um, is Pinot Noir with a with a little bit of Chardonnay in it, um, also from California. And that one we do six grams per liter of dosage. So that additional um, little hint of sweetness that gets added when you're in Champagne, when you're in a lot of other sparkling wine regions, and so. I always like to have people taste those two wines next to each other. And um, I often will ask them which is sweeter and sometimes they can't tell um, or sometimes they're the wrong wine. And, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, what matters is what you like, what tastes good to you, what you want to drink. And um, so I find it's almost like 50, 50 when I ask people which one they prefer. Some people like the Betty or, sparkling white wine some people like the cali or sparkling rosé and they're both really versatile really fruit forward really um really food friendly wines like i think a lot of people when they're thinking about drinking champagne or sparkling wine they're only opening it on new year's eve for a toast or at a wedding and those are important wonderful places to drink these sparkling wines but we also love them with food. I mean, I drink, I drink champagne with, you know, my favorite pairing is something salty and kind of fried. So like fried chicken, everybody talks about fried chicken and champagne or chicken fingers and champagne. That's the classic one or French fries and champagne. (laughs) Those are all awesome. Um, I also love popcorn with champagne. We at the Riddler at the champagne bars, we had a popcorn station where you could serve yourself and do all these different salts and seasonings. And that was so popular. People, it was so much fun <laughs> to walk around the bar and see people with a big bowl of popcorn and a glass of champagne. And let me tell you, if you've never tried that combo, it will change your opinion on champagne. I have Delicious. heard that. And I was recommended Cheetos with champagne. Oh, yes, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. yeah Delicious. I, yeah, I, I haven't had and that, yet. but that sounds good, though. Well, I, mean, yeah. I know what you're doing this weekend. It's a long weekend. <laughs> go get yourself some Cheetos and champagne. <laughs> there you go. That, yeah, it's going to be chilly here, so uh, it'll be good. good so, hey, Cheetos. you know. Lock myself in. <laughs> <all> that <laughs> that sounds champagne. like a way to warm up. Yeah, yeah it might work. It just might work. Yeah. Uh, so the Cali even, and even, – oh, I'm just going to no, say the Cali and the – even. Okay, we're both talking. You go ahead. You go ahead. The Betty and the Cali, that's not your only ones. That's right. That's right. We also have um, what are called piquettes. So we have these really cool canned wines that are very, very sustainable. So they're, I would say, like, if you love natural wines, these are the wine for you. Um, So we do one that's 100% Chardonnay, one that's 100% Pinot Noir, and the oh. way that they're made is through the – they actually utilize the second pressing. So a lot of people just throw out the second pressing. But right. this is sort of a new style that's getting pretty popular in California and in Brooklyn and sort of these hipster areas, I would say, where people right. are really yeah. focused on sustainability and upcycling and recycling. And so these are naturally low ABV wines utilizing that second pressing. So if you mm-hmm. like a really light style, um, they're great. And they're really – the Pinot Noir is, like, I would say very juicy tasting. It has 
almost notes that there's certainly notes of like strawberry and cherry and I would say less blackberry, less cassis, less of that stuff, more of the bright, bright red fruits and even some like watermelon. Um, And then the Chardonnay almost has, I would say like a, because it's a natural wine, it has almost like a, it's, this is a weird way to describe it, but, but like almost like a beer like quality or like a cidery quality to it. Mm, um, very light, very refreshing, um, not very fruit forward. Um, but so for people who are adventurous and want to try a, a new style of natural wine, I would totally encourage them to give the PCAS a try. You mentioned low ABV. What is the uh, alcohol? They're 8%. That is so, low. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty low. Yeah, it's yeah, about as low as you can go, while still and having a little. It's it's about the same ABV as as like a beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's but it's still not sweet though. I mean, usually with lower nope. lower uh, alcohol, you tend to get a little bit sweeter wine, and these still aren't sweet. Then you say, wow. Well, these ones are low ABV because it's the second press, so oh, oh, they're okay. just less. A lot of the, a lot of, you know, essentially the, the juicy alcoholy parts have already been pressed out. Right. And, uh, and it's uh, like the best, the best analogy I know of is like the second dip of a tea bag. You know when you like mm. make tea and it's really strong, and then if you yeah. take that same tea bag and make tea with a second cup, that second cup you can still taste it, but you're lo- you, you don't have as much tannin. You certainly don't have as much flavor. You don't have right. as much caffeine. So it's kind of the same way. Well, that's a good example, a very good example on that. Um, I, I, something you mentioned about having champagne all the time, I'm a big advocate of that. I'm always telling my listeners, you know, champagne is not just for holidays or special occasions. Champagne is to drink with anything, everything, all the time. You know, get yourself champagne and just have it with your dinner tonight just because it's a good combo there so yeah i agree with you there's so many different things you can have with your champagne and you don't have to just wait until that special day or something and uh, so true yeah so so true yeah everybody should be popping more more bottles of champagne oh uh, by all means (laughs) all means. did Uh, you know that um that champagne and sparkling wine is the fastest growing wine category in the U.S. That yes. more people are drinking champagne more than anything else, which is really cool. It's not that it's the biggest category, but it's the fastest growing category. It's the fastest growing. I just, in fact, I just read that. Oh, geez, within the last week or so, Beverage News uh, was talking about it, and they mentioned that champagne is the more sparkling wines is the biggest category for growth in the United States and they expect it to continue throughout this year. So uh, it's not going to slow down. It's definitely going to pick up on it. So uh, so four champagnes or is there more? So we, nope, that's it. That's the whole line. You, you nailed it portfolio um and they're all made by great female winemakers who we love and we're proud of all these wines and as the days go on we'll keep on adding more wines into the fold 
And it's been so much fun to do all this. I mean, getting to work with such an amazing community of people has been really cool. And it's been so awesome to see when we present these wines to women restaurant owners or wine shop owners or um, restaurants that have a female chef or a female sommelier or female wine buyer. They love them. And, of course, there are tons of of restaurants and retailers that we work with that are not women-owned that just want to support great delicious wines that happen to be made by women. And so it's cool to see how well the wines have been received. And it's, I think for consumers, really great to have a brand that they always know is made by women winemakers and supports women. So that's what we're all about. Are you actively seeking uh, new women winemakers to increase your portfolio or you're actively? Absolutely. Okay. Okay, So, So if anyone out there knows in your local area a sparkling wine that's being made by women, then by all means contact Jen. She will yeah, be more than my happy, way. Yeah, more than happy to way. talk. And with of course, also if anybody wants to buy these wines locally, ask for them at your local wine shop, and email us on our website, and we'll try to make sure that they're available close to you. There you go. Okay, that's that's good. Is there? You say you ship. I know you don't like it, but you ship mm-hmm. to every state, or is there? Well, of course, we ship there's a couple. to almost every state. There are yeah, some states you're not allowed to ship to, but we ship. We ship. Yeah. Okay. Because there's always those states, and the people who live in them know who they are. So. Oh, they know. <laughs> they're bummed. They're waiting for those laws to change, but I don't they're think they're changing for the soon. <laughs> they're lobbying their local uh, authorities, but no changes yeah. have been made yet. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody's aware of that too. <laughs> so. Yeah. So. Um, it, it sounds exciting. I mean, you. you got yourself something here that is can go only one direction and that is up and bigger and uh hitting more people and i, I you know it's, well thank it's, you it's thanks great concept thanks um, yeah we're having a great time most importantly like i said the wines are delicious you know we all want to support causes that mean a lot to us but we also have to make sure that the product is great and so i'm just i feel really proud to get to represent the women who are making these wines and um, and it, it's just a blast. It's not a fun. I mean, it's not a not. It's not a. It's not a tough life. You know. It's a pretty. We're having a good pretty, time. Pretty good life. How many people you have working yeah. for you? You know, we started this last year with just two of us, and now we're a team of sixteen. So we've grown. Wow. We've grown a lot in the last year. Yeah. Wow. Um, most of them are on the sales team, so they're helping to get the the wines out into the market. Um, and then we've obviously got people who are making and producing the wines and you wouldn't also, I mean, you can't possibly wrap your head around how hard all the supply chain stuff is. I was not, when we went into this business about, oh my goodness, the boxes and the glass and the corks and the labels and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's truly, truly unbelievable. So that's the big piece of the business too. The people don't really talk about it. It's not the... You know, it's not the most um, – it's an incredibly important piece of it, but it's not necessarily what everybody's talking about in the business, and we're so grateful to that team, too. So. Yeah, they they have a tough job on there. I, I've mentioned it a few times on the show here about uh, 
supply chain. I'm telling people, you know, you you may be paying a percentage more for your wine because of the supply chain problems. I, it's oh, just, absolutely. It, it's in, almost impossible to get certain items out there. So yeah. it's uh, I I, uh, I understand that completely. I really do. Uh, Mike, do you have any questions or comments or anything for Jen? I was I was uh, writing some notes and I I thought about something uh um while you were talking and all your your the history and everything and how you got to this point do you have any kind of advice or anything to offer women just starting out or wanting to get into the wine business or the wine industry any Yeah absolutely I think one one really important thing is to just really build your network um to go work for great winemakers great wine brand owners great sommeliers, great restaurants, great wine retail shops. Like, you know, I've been in the business in some fashion for over 20 years. So even though mm-hmm. this brand is relatively new and is two and a half years old, um, you know, certainly I've built my career over decades. And I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> that's, that's like how it always is. So the more you know, the re- more you realize you really don't know what you know. And <laughs> Um, so having really, really great mentors and learning from the best that you possibly can, that's my number one. Um, and then number two is to find organizations that are really supportive of women in this space. And so two of the best, one is called Batonage. They're actually our charity partner on the Piquette wines that I mentioned. Um, and Batonage is, Batonage is French for to stir up. And it's a step in the winemaking process where you stir the leaves. But um, for Bathnage, it's about like stirring up the conversation. And um, it's an organization in California, specifically in Napa, but they're really nationwide, but they're based there. And they focus on supporting women in wine. And they do a lot of amazing mentorship work. They have some scholarships to go and learn how to make wine, and to work with different women in the wine industry. So Bathinage is a great organization to follow. Um, Another one is called Women of the Vine and Spirits, which is a national organization that brings together women across all aspects of the wine and spirits world, everything from producers to vineyard managers to retailers, on the national scale who are bringing wines into their portfolio to independence. Um, so those two are, they've got great resources on their website, websites, and um, they're a really good place to start. Fantastic. Do you speak French? A little bit. More kitchen French than anything else from my time <laughs> working in the kitchen. But I haven't practiced very much lately, so it's, uh, I, need to, I need to get a refresher course. That's for sure. Uh, well, you mentioned you spent time in France, and then you know, and a couple of things you said. And I just wondered if you actually did speak French. And uh, the I, tiniest I, bit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know how to like you. get around and ask for you know the correct cheese when I'm in a right. cheese shop, things like that. <laughs> there you go. Important things, you know. You know. Important, important things. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else, Mike? Uh, No, I think I'm good. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Jen, thank you so much. Before you go, I want you to give email, website, Facebook, Twitter, 
all the addresses and all the ways that people can get a hold of you and or Unfem Wine. And uh, uh, so you got you it. Know. Thank you. Yeah, so we're online at www.unfemwines.com. So U N E F as in Frank, E M M E wines with an S on the end.com. Um, we're also on Instagram at Unfemwines. We're at LinkedIn at Unfemwines. We're on Twitter at Unfemwines. We're on Facebook at Unfemwines. So we're at all of those places at Unfemwines. And then um, the best way to get in touch with us over email is we've got an email address that's just hello at Unfemwines. And <laughs> anybody who would want to say hello is welcome to email us. And then also, if you want to pick up these wines at your local wine shop or you are a wine retailer and you want to bring us in, we would love to love to connect. There you go. So There you go. Champagne, not just not just for holidays. It's for any time and now you've got yourself a champagne source for any time. And uh if I I want to point out too, you you make the rosé champagne or rosé sparkling wine and for those of you who have never had rosé sparkling wine, it's really, really good and a lot of fun to see those bubbles come up in a rosé-style wine. And uh, so, that's uh, right. That I to totally agree. Yeah. Yep. So, Jen, thank you so much for taking time out and joining us today. And uh, best of luck to you and to Umfin Wines. And in the future, as you start growing and becoming almost too big for us, I'd like to get you on the show again and tell us how things are going. You got uh, it. Next time we launch a new wine, I'll I'll give you a call. Okay. Okay. You know, have have your publicist uh, get a hold of us. Who was that? Uh, I think it was, yeah, probably probably our, our publicist. Yeah. So I'll have my yeah. people call your people. Uh, well, <laughs> Mike and I are our people. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. Yeah. We, yeah. we are very limited people yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great. Well, I so appreciate the opportunity, and uh, hopefully one day we'll find a way to drink a, a, bottle, of, a bottle of sparkling wine together. And I, I would really look forward to that. Thank you so much. If yeah, you're ever down here in Florida, Absolutely. then. Get in touch, and we'll do that. You know so, it. You know All right. Best of luck to you. Thank right. you for joining us tonight, and uh, have yourself a good evening. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, too. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Dropped. Okay. Very cool. Well, yeah, you know, I, I love the concept that she has there and doing this, you know, sparkling mm-hmm. wine. And then the women aspect of it is just a little extra bonus i think i i sure they can mm-hmm. make it on the the merits of the sparking wine itself but i think adding you know yeah. four women by women all that just puts a little another level to it that is really yeah. great so you know yeah it seems like they're, they're- Filling, uh, helping fill the void of uh, women in the industry, and uh, like she said, there's others uh, out there that uh, uh, maybe need to to rise up and and um, you know get involved as well. So uh, uh, right. more than just women not not being represented. So um, like to see that. So 
Yeah, um, yeah me too. You can do. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. We've talked about it before on the show. We've had women winemakers on the show and women winery owners and all that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's always uh, always great to see more and more women break mm-hmm. the glass ceiling of wine, if you will, so our wine yeah. production. Yeah. So, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. But yeah. she's had herself quite a a busy life. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, I guess it wore me out just her telling me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, we have, uh, unless you have any other announcements, we do have a guest next weekend as well. Um, We'll have to find out more information about her because I don't have, I just have a name. Um, But uh, that'll be January 19th. What do you mean you want to read Windows update? God, I wish that would just... (laughs) Something... Sometimes I wish Windows would just fall off a cliff and stay there, and then you know it's like, oh, I need to reboot. What do it at four o'clock in the morning when I'm nowhere, you know? Yeah, um, really. Mm-hmm. When you're mm-hmm. asleep and you don't need to worry mm-hmm. about it doing. Yeah. Knowing yeah. um, <laughs> my uh, luck, it would sit there and yell and scream, "I'm rebooting! Wake up!" I <laughs> yeah. start making all sorts of beeps and everything. Yeah. Beep beep beep. Yeah. You're like R2D2 yeah. on Star Wars. Beep 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 beep. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Annoying>. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, let's yeah. see, who do we have next? I'm trying mm. to find here. Uh, uh, Jessica Kogan, it sounds like. Jessica Kogan. Kogan? Uh, yeah, no. I can't. Well, I've got it here. Yeah, you know, the problem is, and I mentioned this before, the problem is I get emails from publicists or people who work for these people, like Jen here, Olivia, I found it here. Mm-hmm. Olivia is the one that I get all the emails from and mm-hmm. not Jen. And so I have to know that Olivia is for Jen. Oh, yeah. And then I've got these <laughs> others here that, uh, let's see, Lexi is for Jody, so we don't have Jody next week. I don't know. I, I just it's. I usually make myself a list, and I lost my list as I was cleaning up stuff here, and so. I, I found a, I found a reference to uh, Jessica's uh, Jessica Kogan, uh, Chief Growth and Experience Officer at Vintage Wine Estates. Uh, she is a brand marketing and digital transformation executive with a seriously successful track record of launching CPG brands and DTC businesses that scale. Well, that should be interesting. You can explain all that yeah. stuff to us. <laughs> yeah, you're using some big words there. What's going on? That's right. You know, so tell me, what does all um, this mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 So see you uh, next week then. All right. Yeah, a couple, couple of references. Yeah, you said, uh, yeah, it was January 19th. So, 19th. Uh, Oh, that happens to be next Thursday. So I guess yeah. we'll be on. We will be on <laughs> yeah, next Thursday. We'll be back another week. <laughs> That's right. No. That's right. Um, yeah. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show yourself, you're in the wine industry at some some uh, level, uh, contact the show. Uh, you can easily email uh, Ron directly, allaboutwine101 at gmail.com. Allaboutwine101 at gmail.com. That'll go to Ron, and he'll, uh, he'll – first, you have to be vetted. We have to check it out because, you know, there's 
people out there just want to, you know, anyway, uh, yeah. but he'll, he'll check it out and verify, verify things and uh, use our investigative uh, techn- techniques and, and technology. And uh, right. as long as you're legitimate. Yeah, <laughs> you get to, yeah, you get to get on the program and uh, let's discuss wine. So we have a new year up on us, and uh, it's great to be here. And uh, we will continue on and and in, enjoy uh, meeting people like uh, like uh, Jen was tonight. So very yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, I don't have anything else except that it's going to get bloody cold tonight tomorrow. I think tomorrow but, night, we're, yeah, tomorrow and tomorrow night we're supposed to be, it, it's Florida. It's back in the 30s again. That's not right. Yeah. Central oh Florida, they were talking about 20s again. Stupid. That's not right. That's, that's something wrong with that. No, it's not. We have, we have cities called Winter Haven, which is where I'm at, Winter yeah. Park, which has nothing to do with winter. It's not like snow. Uh, frost proof, you would yeah. think, you know. And yet, what's happening? Oh, they're getting frost. They're getting the, they're getting you know, frost. the winter. It's, you know, it, it's cold. Something's wrong there. Something's wrong. Yeah. Something's wrong. Yeah. We don't live in Florida for 30-degree weather. You know, I mean, yeah. people, people I come down think they, from the north. Yeah. Yeah. People come down from the north and go, oh, this isn't bad. And we want to slap yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're out on the beach. Where's everybody? Um Anyway, but uh, yeah, so it's that time of year, and it's uh, winter is upon us again. So winter is um, picking up the parkas. So yep. next week, um, thank we'll, you for listening. We'll see y'all uh, next week, January nineteenth. Thank you for tuning yeah. in. Yeah, well, be safe. See you then. Have a good Tuesday, and uh, stay warm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go. Let's see if I can. Huh? This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine wine. with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinezpr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. Bye, the show. Oh, I'm going to the green room. I think. Why am I not in the green room? I clicked it.